This episode is sponsored by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Everyday Running Shoe, which I was lucky enough to head out to Barcelona and see being unveiled at its launch and to chat to athletes like Sharon Nakidi, who won the New York Marathon a few years ago, who does all of her easy and steady runs in this pair of shoes. And then we've set Jess from The Running Channel a very specific challenge to train for 12 weeks for her fastest, hopefully, ever 10K, which is also back out in Barcelona. Yeah, she is loving training in this shoe. And I think it's important as well because we're so lucky we get to test lots of different shoes. But we do know that some people just want that one pair that will do everything. So Jess has been doing her long runs, interval sessions, and she will be tackling the final 10K in the Under Armour Infinite Elite shoes. Yeah, big focus on endurance and a brand new foam, which provides extra energy return and looks after you on even your longest runs. So if you want to know more, head to the link in the show notes. listening to the running channel podcast with me sarah hartley my co-host andy badley and rick over in the corner who we've had to get a different chair for this week because his bum is in so much pain from cycling across wales yeah obviously there is a youtube version of this podcast where you'll be able to see me sitting on one side (laughs) (laughs) even your whole face is leaning over to one side how was it mate was it okay i'm just honestly i'm just so bruised and my mate said to me you are undercarriage carnage i went what does that mean he went your perineum is absolutely Yeah, that's what I put the beeps in for in this podcast. (laughs) Wow. I mean, I think you paid the price there for the fact that you had to cycle 85 miles a day over four days and the longest cycling ride that you'd done ahead of that for training was one mile to nursery. Andy, they lied to me. Two days were over 90 miles. I'm (laughs) so angry with them. They used to be my friends. But Wales is flat. (laughs) Wales is flat, right? Wales, I found out, is very steep. And when you're doing it off-road, not on roads, and going up a lot of You're doing it off-road? Yeah, it was off-road. But you had a road bike? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You were so poorly equipped for this. Much like this podcast, I think we should probably get stuck in and talk about some running. (laughs) Yeah, let's dive in. So we're going to get on to what we're actually talking about in today's episode, which is broadly lucky socks and superstitions. But before we do that, I just want to play a lovely little sound bite that I got from Rick. Oh, on- gosh. <laughs> whilst you're cycling. <laughs> so this is at the end of day one. He looks lovely. You're going to have to take my word for it here because it's a wonderful video. I'm absolutely buggered. I can't feel anything. I just feel <laughs> So what you can't you to- see if you're only <laughs> listening to this via audio, <laughs> Rick has his cycling jersey up fully unzipped as well yeah you're a very you very broken. pink man and that was that... what day one of that was day one that was four. that was up some awful pass in north wales where i got I mean, to... it looks beautiful oh it was beautiful yeah my face wasn't beautiful it was just well, miserable it, 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 it only got yeah. it only got worse after that it was just it was unbelievable the, the end of day one we sat down and we'd done 87 miles in day one and I just stupidly opened up Google Maps and went, how long does it take to get to Brecon? And, it, and it, on Brecon, on the road route was 87 miles, not on the, the sheep pass route, which we were <laughs> taking, which is 93 miles on day two. And I was already, you know, suffering from undercarriage carnage. Uh, but you, I mean, bear in mind that you had to be persuaded by us that you needed specific cycling shorts. <laughs> yeah. Were you, are you glad you had those? But, yeah, but they kept falling down because I brought the wrong ones because they didn't go over my shoulders. They were... <laughs> oh, you didn't buy the ones with the strap? No, I could, they didn't have any left because I left it too much last minute. But honestly, my tires were actually great. They stuck it out for the whole way. Your tires? Tires the one were thing. great. Oh, so, brilliant. Which is better though, running or cycling? <laughs> I've got to say... 
running yeah there hey, we go well, that yeah. nicely segues in we knew that already <laughs> yes, andy exactly. let's go back to running so yeah. today we are going to be talking about running superstitions yeah. apparently there's some science behind this so stay tuned for that andy yeah sarah all... doesn't believe me i'm skeptical but andy's got all the know-how yeah um meanwhile i've got all of your running superstitions we asked the running channel audience what yeah. theirs are and there are some absolutely incredible rick has no idea what's about to come but stay tuned mate it's gonna be great okay andy how's your week of running been it's been good. We started up our run club again, yeah, um, we did. which is amazing. Um, so we had, you know, close to a hundred people come. Um, Andy, who coaches us both, was there to kind of, one, make me, make, make me look even more boring than I do already. He yeah. showed me up with his uh, extrovert coaching style. Mm -hmm. We uh, split the group into two in the middle and uh, we did a conga by doing strides. Oh, did Andy do his uh, set warm up routine? Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. he's very, Dull. he's got that down pat now. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. nailed. Smashed it. Yeah. Um, so that, <laughs> how did that go down? They they loved it, but they loved Andy more than me. So. Oh, oh, right. Okay. I was in Andy's Other Andy. Yeah. Other Andy. Yes. Yeah. Other Andy. Other Andy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I also realized just how far away this marathon that we keep banging on about is when I ran, I don't know, 7K the other day. And I thought, well, I'll just, I'll go, I'll go at the pace that I think I want to try and run for a marathon. It's only six or 7K mm. and never has a marathon felt less achievable. Andy Hobdell, though, on the... Oh, no, 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 no. This was private. No, 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 no. This is we're going to let you into the kind of information oh. that gets spilled at our running channel, running clubs. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of running in one word. Yeah, yeah. You, um, you were put on, I was put on the spot about what time. Andy I was run. put on the spot. So after the run club, you know, we sit down, we have a nice little chat. And because yeah. Andy Hobdell was there, Andy's coach, we started talking about what marathon time is he going to run in December? Oh, in Valencia. Yeah. 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 So Andy's, at this Andy's goal is just to beat Mo. Oh yeah. By the way, I, I told I, I, I told said Mo that publicly either. I think that was that was a funny thing, but that's how my my brain works. Is that yeah? The, the Mo from the Running Channel ran his first ever sub three hour marathon two fifty nine forty eight. Yeah. So, so I, then all of a sudden I thought to myself, well, clearly that's my goal. <laughs> Sorry, Mo. <laughs> has, has he got that in him, Sarah? Do you think? No. <laughs> no, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't he think that either. Although I tell you what, I saw Mo yesterday and told him this, and he did say that he is happy to pace you for the whole marathon. You know, just to help you out a little bit. What, so that he can out-sprint me at the end? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen through that plan. I was about to say Mo is such a legend. I think you need to stay away from him, Andy. Yeah. 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 Don't you take this seriously. Don't know, get in your yeah. head. But then on the night, Andy said this to everyone. And then the other Andy, Coach Andy, was like, no, no, no. 250, mate. 250, that's oh, what so you should go for. And Andy, then... Oh, wow. So Andy Hobdell reckons you've yeah, got he has moved my goalposts already. And bear in mind, the goalposts have moved quite a long yeah. way. This went from a private thing for me where I was like, I don't care about time. I don't want to do it on the road, but I do want to complete a marathon. So nice Sarah one. will stop banging on about it. <laughs> and I'd go on, I'm on a trail. I do it somewhere beautiful. It won't matter how fast I run. And then all of a sudden it's become this thing where I keep moving my own goalposts. Andy moves them for me. Sarah, I think, has just goaded me into he's just baited me into this where all of a sudden it's become this this three hour attempt and now somehow two sub 250 which you know that's really fast and scary yeah i think that happens quite a lot with marathons though because it, the training for it is so like if if in december you wanted to run a 5k pb you wouldn't be thinking as much about it now whereas this yeah. always happens with marathons you go like oh i'm gonna be training for you know 12 14 16 weeks so let's set this as a goal mm. and then you start thinking about it for another couple of weeks and then you're like actually let's set this as a goal but don't worry mate it's about completing it yeah. i just want to be there at the 35 kilometer mark and see you cry are you gonna, are you gonna <laughs> to be honest are you gonna watch him sarah Influencer? oh yeah yeah if i'm allowed to go i will yeah. be there you're not allowed to go no is it flat yeah valencia yeah, yeah. although apparently a few cobbles Oh, great. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'll cancel, cancel it. Cancel. Maybe we should push it into 2024. No, I've already entered you, mate. Uh, okay, well, I'm going to need all of the superstitions I can get yeah. to get me through it, probably. So 
let's talk about that. We wanted to talk about good link, very good link. Thanks, like that. mate. Really, so it's like, I, really it's like well I'm done. trying desperately to get it across. Yeah, really away well from. done that. <laughs> Complete pro. <laughs> okay, I hate you both. Um, Anyone listening to this, get ready to scout Andy. Yeah. Podcasting super man. That's the extraordinaire. That's, that's the word I was thinking. Such a of. lovely compliment you just gave him. <laughs> that wasn't what I was Got going him for. Superman. Yeah. Anyway, I'll take that. superstitions with Superman. Yes. I think we wanted to talk about this. Someone was recently telling me about um, some of the stuff that Kelly Holmes had openly spoken about mm. and, I, and I couldn't find this anywhere else. So it might not have been her, but I'm pretty sure it was about something silly about various different superstitions. It was this particular example was always needing to use the same toilet before a championships or it might have been at one specific championships to the point where all of the other toilets were empty and, you know, she's banging on the door to allegedly banging on the door to the one toilet that was occupied because that was the one that she needed to use. And, and ultimately that's why she won two Olympic golds. Just that. Yeah. Forget the training. No, forget no, the natural shoes, ability, forget genetics. Uh, <laughs> toilet. To- yeah, the toilet. But then that, that made me think that we should talk about it mm-hmm. um, because, and, and then there's a distinction between a probably superstition, things that, that, that become ritual, how much you believe in them, how important they end up being to you, that way you feel like you're going to run badly if you don't do them. And then uh, I had lots of those things. So I thought maybe we should do really? a terrifying deep dive into my psyche. Really? Before we dive into what yours were, yeah. I want to delve into the science a little bit. Because okay. you've been saying this quite a lot this week, that apparently this sometimes is backed by science. So what what do you mean by this? How is a superstition, like going to the right toilet, Yeah. in some way helping... Kelly Holmes get a gold. Yeah, or, or wearing lucky socks. I know yeah. we're going to come on to that a bit later, but I think mm, there was a massive over-index, a high percentage of people where it was sock-related. Was there was there <laughs> was their luck or their good luck charm or their superstition? Um, broadly, superstition comes down to ritual, and so there is there has been research into whether following a ritual, and that could be saying certain things to yourself, so some sort of element of positive self-talk, mm-hmm. um, or going through a particular routine or touching a lucky talisman or wearing something specific. Um, like Michael Jordan famously wore the same either underwear or set of sh- shorts from his, like, I think from college, uh, underneath his team shorts throughout his career. Wow. Thing, things like that. Um, How long was his career? Pretty long. It's I don't know whether he bought new ones, real, actually. Real solid material. <laughs> yeah, real, real durable. Though. <laughs> um, but I'm going to just read a, a quote. From, from a scientific paper, that the increased levels of self-efficacy that result from activating a superstition lead to higher self-set goals and greater persistence in the performance task. So in other words, the kind of the superstitions, the the luck, the talisman that, you know, it might, might be like a putting those socks on in a specific order, wearing a specific pair of socks and not washing them all year, all of these kind of things that on the face of it oh, are irrational. Please wash mm. them. Um, then they give the person enacting that superstition higher levels of self-confidence to aim higher to keep trying and that even though it sounds tenuous that extra belief actually has been shown to potentially relieve nervous tension which could be something that inhibits your performance and the confidence makes you ultimately aim higher and you know that through some various tests that they did that illusion of control over your i guess seemingly uncontrollable performance Mm gives people the confidence to to perform better that does make a lot of sense actually because yeah. i remember a few weeks ago you were talking about how in big competitions someone once said to you that like most of the people lining up will have talked themselves out of yeah. winning even if they 
you know, physiologically they had everything that they could to win. And it's so true. Every single time you line up in a in a race, there's there is always that element of, well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like you literally don't know until you cross the finish line. So I guess, yeah. Yeah. And, it, and I think that boosts self-confidence is a good thing. And I think, I think it comes down to, to routine, but there's a really dangerous line. I think the toilet one is a good example of something that's out of your control. Yeah. So like you can, to a point, you can choose to put the same pair of socks on. Mm -hmm. or put your socks on in a specific way in a way that's not going to throw you because you can control it mm. yeah. unless someone washes the socks by mistake or oh. or throws them away or you lose them then obviously that if you're tying too much of your own self-worth or self-belief so that's that small thing then that could be disastrous but making your routine how you think you're going to perform dependent on something that could be taken away from you yeah, so it can go to like, like like the toilet might not be available. Like that's a, did a you have example. any in your career where looking back you were like oh, that was a risky one to have? Well, I I had w w weird ones that would be boring, but then when they added up together, they created like this routine that I went through. So whenever I got to a a race, um, you'd pick up your number. Sometimes you had it the night before, sometimes you didn't, and then I'd meticulously pin it onto my vest. Yeah, like and redo it four or five times to make sure it was perfectly straight. The pins were in exactly the right place. But that was sort of the physical task of that, you know, like of actually pinning something on and concentrating on that meant that's 20 minutes mm. or however long of not thinking about mm. nerves. And also so the more holes you put in your vet, the <laughs> aerodynamic. more aerodynamics <laughs> and the faster you go. <laughs> Just breathability. Yeah, Did exactly. anyone ever offer to do that for you? And you were like, no. Yeah, yeah. You'd see quite often coaches- At Mo Farah know, or someone. Co coaches say. pinning on stuff like for their athletes. And I was like, yeah. oh, I quite liked having that sense of control. You know, for me, it was- <laughs> <laughs> That's something something small that I could I could control. Yeah, I um, definitely grew up doing things where, in hindsight, there were <laughs> fairly dangerous psychological obsessions. But like, I had a little tiny basketball hoop in my bedroom with one of those little balls, like tennis ball size. How old were you? I had like eighteen. Right. <laughs> no, like uh, <laughs> I don't know, like eleven, twelve, thirteen, that kind of age. And sometimes, you know, like you're about to go to bed quite late. Your parents have already told you to go to bed, and I'd like randomly shoot the ball towards the hoop and then I'd miss. And then there's something that would click in my brain that'd be like, well, I'm not going to go to bed until I've got 10 in a row. And, wow. I, and there was some, some, wow. some, some nights that I'd have been there for like two hours because I was like, well, and I can't, then I can't you go were to bed completely now. completely knackered the day before your A levels and just couldn't perform. But yeah. then you did perform and you just nailed them anyway, didn't you? Annoying. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good funny turn. Thanks, mate. Um, I think that's a, that's a compliment there somewhere. But yeah, it's there have been occasions in my adult life where that obsession of if I can do this random thing, like if I can throw my socks into the washing basket yeah. first time, mm. then um, then on Saturday I'm going to run a, but you know, I'm going to win the Olympics. This is personality <laughs> though, isn't it? So this is not all, I imagine not all GB runners were doing what you were doing. Some people had no uh, superstitions yeah. at all. So I don't have any time for any superstition. Like there's no way I have time to put 10 balls in a hoop before a race. Yeah. Literally. If I you, mean, you don't have the coordination either. I don't know. That's, that's correct. But most people <laughs> who have small children would not have any time for any superstitions. Like some people always walk underneath road signs, you know, they have to walk underneath the road sign or yeah. they have to wear exactly the same trainers or tie the laces in the same way. Well, in, in football, they'll tap like the... Tap, yeah, tap, tap the board, tap, like, yeah, tap like, a board above their head, like where that's Anfield. Like the Anfield or, sign. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There are some though where they're less time consuming. So I know um, James, running channel presenter, he always, uh, when when I did run to Paris with him last year, it was the first race or, or kind of event that I'd done with him. And it wasn't until, I think it was either day three or day four, he ran off to do his leg. And the footage, we were looking at it after he left and we were like, 
why did, was there something wrong with his shoe? Mm. And he has to, every single time he starts running, he touches the ground. Or like it, it doesn't ha necessarily have to be just before he goes across the start line, but he'll yeah. always kind of touch the ground before he starts. And that's one of his, I don't know. And that helps, that, that helps him because he just, he thinks I in think his just, mind, yeah. right, I've touched the ground, right, I'm set to go. Hmm. I, I get the simplicity of the science yeah. behind it. Like if that helps you, it clears your mind. It's like, I'm good to go because my head's clear. Yeah, I think it's quite a nice routine to get in as well. But some of them are, so when I was a kid, I had loads of, I, I was the same as you. I wouldn't mean it to get this out of hand. Yeah. But if I was just like out for a walk with my parents and you know, when you walk on somewhere where there's tiles and then suddenly I'd just be like, I am not stepping on any of the- and No cracks. No cracks. Yeah. And then it's like an hour later, your legs are seizing up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's so hard to walk on it. Or I still have this thing to some extent where, you know how everyone does touch wood. Yeah. I have to, <laughs> I've never actually told anyone this. Yes, Sarah, rather, this is what we're here for. Rather than like, let loads of people pretend your head's wood rather than like yeah. touching your head once and that for most people is enough yeah i would have to touch it with both hands yeah and then touch it on the other side with both hands okay now it's got weird. and then touch it on the <laughs> other side with both hands but if at any point my two hands touch i then have to start the whole thing again. medical <laughs> advice <laughs> <laughs> well the, the, the um the, the, there was a few that of mine that, that crossed over probably from they, they start for good reasons often like mm. something you'll do something for the first time yeah and then perform well and they're like well i'm going to do all the same things again that are within my control so for me i had a, a routine once i got out on the track i was ready to almost on the start line ready to go i would do a specific kind of like couple of jumps in a specific way like really high jumps lifting mm. my knees to my chest that kind of thing and i always did that throughout my whole career and then i remember racing somewhere really hot and running really well and before the race it was so hot that i would you know, I had a little bottle of water. I would tip it onto my hands, rub my sort of mm. wash my face a little bit, and then tip a little bit onto my each of my shoulders and then my head. Um, and that became a thing, which is fine when it's 30 degrees somewhere. Yeah. But then when you're racing in like <laughs> in Gateshead. Gateshead in January. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it seems a bit silly. And then also I had one time when the race officials at the track, I'd put my water bottle down and someone took it away. Oh, so it blew, so it kind of blew oh, your mind yeah, a little yeah. bit. So that, yeah. it, it, I still raced fine actually that so day, with, but it did mess with my head beforehand. Okay, so with the science here, say you're halfway through running competitively, you're on TV, mm. and you've just realized after five minutes that you did not do the two jumps. Does that more like, then, more like 30 seconds, right? 30, you never oh, ran yeah. for that long. Oh, true. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, well, in, in, any, in any race, whoever, <laughs> does that then. Fl to, uh, flick a switch in your head and go actually I don't think I can push myself to the full length here. for me no like Sarah's not wrong there I didn't race for that long and yeah. my focus broadly I was in, someone who the main problem for me was before the race so like if I could get to the start line in a positive mindset right. and not talk myself out of it the moment that the race started I was zoned like, in my best self yeah. and totally in the zone like sports people talk about that and nothing was a distraction sort of the crowd you can't really hear you just totally in it i never would have thought about that sort of thing it's more the impact that it has in those moments before the start line as to whether you are then in the right frame of mind to start but once it started i would never have been thinking oh i didn't do this xyz but if i had been shaken up in my routine then i would probably run less well because mm. i've sort of already put myself in the wrong mindset definitely think though that could have an effect if you're like the longer you're racing for like in 30k in a marathon or in that third fourth kilometer in a 5k that's going to have an effect so let's get into your superstitions at home sarah right this one made me laugh i have to stress 
night before my main weekly run after a night of poor sleep because I'm so excited to be going out and about makes me lighter and keener. Are we going to name Bob? You have to well what? Done, Bob. You have to what? Sorry. Stress. I don't even get this one. Stress poop. Yeah, you have a poor night. <laughs> poor night's sleep. You're too excited to get out the next day. You just have that knot of nerves in your stomach, which actually you need to poo out. And therefore you feel, then you feel lighter and, thought, and, and thought, ready to go. I thought it was kind of more like the colloquial term of you have to stress through stuff. As in no, you have to no, go no. Th- as in before I mean, Bob I, heads out I on the road. I just feel run. like this is a bit too much. It's too much information. Hey, look, yeah. you, you started we're the podcast on. talking about your perineum. Yeah, we're yeah, on podcast well, 21. Perine- we haven't really talked about poo yet. Yeah, well, perineum's a serious business. And <laughs> <laughs> pooing isn't. I think this makes sense though. The only thing though is have you ever... I got into, if you go for a long run, like in the middle or later part of the day, I will always want to have gone before heading out. And then, but if you get into a routine where you're like, I have to do this, but your Sarah, body is not a thing you can control. I Sometimes, don't know, I think, this, I think, this, I think this, you this can develop a routine. Saying that. This, this guy is saying that his superstition is the night before he has to do this. No, no, he has to do it on the morning of. Yeah, after a night of poor sleep. So like he'll, he won't sleep the night before because he's so excited to get going. So excited. Then, yeah. Okay. I yeah. think I think this is sensible though. Yeah. I, I think, think a pre yeah. pre race or pre run poo is vital. Next. So this is JP eight seven two. I have to race in the same socks or else I worry I'll go slow. Also, I don't wash them every race. I wait so at the end of my season they have a lot of stored speed. <laughs> yeah, I, I love this one. Stored uh, speed. I, this was hundred percent me. I I didn't. I, I, there were periods when I didn't race in socks, but when I did, they were the same socks all Stored year. speed. Did I've you never wash them though? Yeah, you did. Will it make you feel better if I say yes? No, but yeah. he, no I bet you did. You're not the type. Well, yeah, funny. you couldn't. You're not, you're have not you the ever type. worn a pair of socks two days in a row? No, you're not the type. What, hey, what, what do you mean I'm not the type? You're, oh, he's dodging the question. No, he, he hasn't. He, he's, no, he's clean Andy. living. He's, uh, and he's clean living. <laughs> um, right, here's your challenge for next week. What? Those where socks, else, you're going to wear them tomorrow. See what I mean? See what I mean? Or maybe it's a, it's a reaction to having a whole a whole season um, of. I mean, I just think that's hilarious. Right. Speaking of socks, Go on. Chloe said, "I always put my left sock on before my right, and not really a superstition, but I only race when my partner is free to be my chauffeur and come for support." Brackets. And he cooks me the same pasta the night before every race. Oh, that's nice. What a lovely partner, partner. Sounds like a legend. Yeah. I put my right sock on before my left. Oh, but... here's a question. I think we featured this in a video before. Are you a sock, sock, shoe, shoe? Do you remember this from yes. the monthly show? Yeah. Or are you a sock, shoe, sock, shoe? Sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Yeah, I mean, that's anyone that goes sock, shoe, sock, shoe is a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I can see why though. Like if it's middle of summer, you've been walking around the house in your running kit, but you're barefoot. Yeah. And then no, you're no. heading out for the run. You, I would probably take my socks to my shoes and then go sock, shoe, sock, shoe. Okay, you're a psychopath. Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, well, that's, we've that's... just ascertained that 21 episodes in. I'm a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely madness. Yeah. <laughs> Got <Sorry>. any more? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Silly says he taps his right heel into the ground three times before the start of a race. That's like, um, what is it? Wizard of Oz. Mm. Oh yeah. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Uh, and it makes, that makes me think of football as you see as they, a lot of footballers as they run onto the pitch, they'll like touch the pitch or they'll pick up a bit of grass and throw it in the air or something. Mm. Yeah. It sort of seems like that kind of superstition. I quite like that one. Yeah, that was quite It's cool. in your control as well. Sorry, I've got, I've got another one. High-fiving plants on the first kilometre. Oh my gosh. High-fiving plants? What about plants? if there are no plants? There's loads in Valencia. <laughs> 
brilliant. Well, don't get, don't give me new superstitions. Yeah. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to warm up for four hours before every run just to get through all my superstitions. High fiving plants. Well, what about high fiving people? That's more fun, but probably out of your control. What about their own out, people? Seek out these plants. Be gentle with the plants. Everyone yeah. out there. Um, I've got one from Ian Payton. This is my favourite one. It's very gentle. I hug and kiss each shoe before putting them on. If I show them some fuss, then I hope they'll look after me. Oh, that's Aww. nice. That is nice. Yeah. That one I mean, is lovely. But the world of shoes has just changed so much. And now you've probably got to hug them because they're so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've hugged them because you've had to remortgage. <laughs> you've had to remortgage your house to pay for them. Yeah. yeah. Terrifying. I never retire my shoelaces before a race. I always think, however I had them tied, the practice before worked. So I guess I'll just leave them. I love I, that. I love that you oh, no, as retire. <laughs> <laughs> like like his shoelaces have worked so hard that he never retires them. Retie, retie. That was from Maggie. That one doesn't make any sense because you'd have to untie them to I, take them off. I might. I, I think this could be a person who's slipping their shoes on and off without untying the laces. Which is, not, which is not good for running. No. It's not good. I've started doing this recently and I've been caught out on two occasions now where I've always been a finish the run, slip the shoes off and then retie them for the next run. Recently, I've been in such a rush to get out that I've just put the shoes back on and assumed... Causes my... all sorts of problems. Yeah, I've had to stop two, three times now on a run to retie. Heel rolling, injuries, the yeah. lot. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do, do that. do that. Tie your shoes <laughs> nice and tightly before you go for a run. Yeah. Uh, well, I'd love to hear more craziness from anyone listening. Like if you want to send us stories or superstitions or, of course, questions, then send them to podcast at therunningchannel.com. One more from Liz. It's imperative I say good morning, Mr. Magpie, to any that I see on my run and salute them. I like this one. I know, this is not an unusual one. That sounds like it's a very unique thing, but I think, isn't it part of magpies and luck and there was a, a rhyme about yeah, one yeah, for yeah. sorrow, two for joy, one for a girl, one for a boy. Yeah. I think uh, that's magpies. Is I think, that magpies? I think, I think you're yeah. right. It doesn't say anything about saluting though, does it? No. No. But hey, add it on. Yeah. Fantastic. I'd like you both to salute me. You're not a magpie. Oh. You are listening to the <laughs> Running Channel podcast. We've got your questions coming up very soon, but up next, it's the news. Don't forget this episode is sponsored by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Shoes. Now at The Running Channel, we bang on all the time about how if you want to run fast, you need to run slow. I'm talking about the 80-20 rule. Yes, you need to do the vast majority of your training at an easier or steadier pace. And you need an everyday pair of running shoes that you trust to do that. And the Infinite Elite has brand new cushioning technology in the form of Under Armour's Hover Plus. So that's designed to support you for the whole of even your longest runs with extra cushioning and energy return. So that's what this is all about. Yeah, and if you want to check out the Under Armour Infinite Elite, head to the link in the show notes. So it's almost question time where we'll answer the questions that you sent in to podcast at therunningchannel.com. But before we do that, Sarah and I always pick a news story. And I'm going to jump in first with a very quick elite story, which is that Faith Kipyagon broke the 1500 meter world record for women. The first woman ever to go under 350 at a recent Diamond League meeting, which is incredible. And wow. I, I have a vested interest in this. This is yeah. my former distance, but just uh, watching it was the most incredible thing. That When you break down how fast yeah. that is, that absolutely blows my mind. Yeah, so it's 15 point. Sec 15 point a few hundredths seconds per 100 meters. What's the men's world record on 1500 meters? 326. Wow. wow. So yeah, just just absolutely phenomenal. They had the um, the lights on the inside of the track so you could see in the last lap that she was lifting and how she was going faster than the lights. And then bear in mind, Laura Muir, one of the best runners in the world, mm. um, was second in this race. She ran 357, so she was eight seconds behind and that looked like a, a really long wow. run. Wow, looking so, good. Wow, yeah. amazing. Sarah? Similar... 
elite story, but this is about an incredible race. Comrades is happening this weekend. Ooh, it is the yeah. world's oldest and biggest ultra marathon. South Africa. Yeah, South Africa. Yeah. In fact, James from the Running Channel is taking it on. Best yeah. of luck to him. And he is filming the whole thing. So stay tuned. That video will be coming out on the Running Channel of his whole experience. Um, but I wanted to talk about Camille Heron, incredible ultra runner. She broke the women's record for most distance covered in 48 hours earlier this year. She ran 435.336 kilometers over the, on a lap. So 400 meter track, 1,080 That was all on the track times. over 48 hours? Yeah. 435 kilometers? Yeah. Oof. Can you imagine being no, on a track? I literally can't imagine. Like over the course of your career, you've definitely probably- I can imagine doing it on a bike. 48 hours on the track, but can yeah. you imagine doing that all in one go? No, absolutely not. Absolutely disgusting. But um, she's announced that she's not running Comrades this year because she wants to take the win potentially at Western States. So she wants to focus on races where she hasn't won them yet, where she did win Comrades back in 2017. Wow, pretty cool to be in that position where you're like, no, I'm just going to focus on- Winning all the other ones I haven't won. She's won so <laughs> yeah. many. She, she is it incredible. It must be so hard though with ultras because you you can't you can't run them all. But no. that that race looks incredible. So best of luck to her in Western States and best of luck to anyone taking on comrades. Amazing. Time for your questions. Okay, so kicking off with Sharon, who's emailed in to say, we all talk lots about shoes to actually run in, but there seems to have been a rise in popularity in recovery shoes. What are your thoughts on the benefits of recovery shoes? or flip-flops, and have any of you used them? I've seen so many more recovery shoes recently. Mm. Yeah. E e even I've seen people bringing them to Parkrun on a Saturday morning. Really? Yeah. Serious, yeah. Yeah, that they're, they're everywhere. I do think there is a lot to be said that the the rise in kind of carbon-plated, high-stack, mm. high shoes, especially for marathons, it's very rare now that I go to a marathon or a big race and when you ha see people with their drop bags they haven't got a kind of pair of another pair of shoes in there and nine times out of ten it is it is that it's a recovery yeah, shoe or but a flip-flop like or some a kind of slider yeah yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they are flip-flops because actually there's a bit of science on flip-flops and runners that are actually they're really quite bad for your feet yeah, so uh, your, your classic, like, uh, what Australians would call thongs, uh, where they go between your big toe and the yeah. next toe. Because mm. you have to do quite a lot of grabbing with your foot to keep the flip-flop on your foot whilst you're walking. And so from a recovery perspective, plantar fasciitis perspective, all of that sort of stuff, my understanding is that's not mm. great. But sliders and some of the ones that are a bit more supportive, you just got to be sensible. You can't go and walk very far in them. No. So, yeah, so, so, so being sensible with where you're going to wear them. I'd have tried a few kind of specific recovery like sliders and I do think they make flip-flop versions but the ones that I've tried mm. they they always have quite a lot of padding like, underneath the arch of your foot yeah, which right. actually yeah which actually feels so nice because it's the opposite of a, a tight of a running shoe. Yeah, yeah yeah I think you've nailed it by saying the, the super shoes just how unstable they can feel and the longer you run in them in a race the more you need something sort of supportive and forgiving mm. yeah. afterwards. So yeah. Yeah, definitely if you've got big long races, then just having something, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be as much money as you're spending on your super shoes to get a pair of recovery shoes, but just having something that airs yeah. your feet out a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> and, I'm not across all of the science, but broadly most recovery stuff, if it makes you feel better, mm. then it's effective. So like the, that's almost placebo effect. But you know, if, if something 
does help you to feel like you're better recovered, then you will be better recovered. Yeah. yeah It'll um, also help you at the finish line because I always find it so funny when you've crossed a line and you feel so wobbly. Yeah. And you're like, is this just me? And then you look at all of the other runners and you're like, oh no, they're struggling to walk. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I've got a hoker with a stack, you know, the size of a high heel and I feel hot as hell after a race when I put those on. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> anyway, Leah has emailed in to ask how far should a long run be for half marathon training? <laughs> Rick, stay Ev quiet. Everyone looks at me. Um, so so the, there's no correct answer to this. The, the distinction between the half marathon and the marathon is that you can, in a marathon, there's no requirement in your long run that you would cover the marathon distance regularly or at all in the build up to it. Whereas in the half marathon, it kind of depends on whether you're trying to do one for the first time mm -hmm. or whether you're trying to run a faster one having done it before. Yeah. First time. So first time you- 10 miles? Yeah, I would say is at least 10 miles. At least 10. Yeah, so if, you, you've got, you, if you've got to 10, then you should be confident that you'll be fine to run a half marathon. So don't panic, 10 is fine. But yes, if you want to run a little bit further, you can. And you you can just recover from that length of run much more easily than you can from doing 20 miles for a long run for a marathon. Mm. And so, but if you were trying to run a faster half marathon, having already Hit done the it distance. before, then you can regularly or, or, or at least occasionally touch on the actual half marathon distance. That's in, in so training. intriguing, isn't it? It's so different. So yeah, I would just say not, don't beat yourself up as long as you're putting together runs that are 10 miles or so mm. in the build up to a half marathon, then you won't struggle too far with the actual distance on the day. Uh, but if you want extra confidence, then it won't hurt you to run the half marathon distance, but, oh, but not like the week before, if this is your first so ever still, half marathon. Yeah, you still need to take two weeks, yeah. still two weeks yeah. before. And we had a great conversation with Andy Hobdell the other day uh, from a coaching perspective, who actually talked about cycling your weeks, whether that's marathon, half marathon, whatever. Like if you've not run those kind of distances before, thinking about on alternate weeks almost. So if you're increasing your mileage, so you're trying to get up mm. to that 10, 11, 12 mile long run, then you can do that on almost alternate weeks. So that's where you increase the mileage. And then the, the following week, you sort of drop it back down again to something that's well within your wheelhouse to allow yourself to adapt to the, what you've done, which might be your furthest ever run the week nice. before, and then step it up again the next week. So it's almost like up, down a little bit to adapt up, down a little bit to adapt. And every time you go up, maybe go up a fraction more. So when you're starting off, that might be like six miles is your longest run. Then two weeks later, you'll do seven miles. Two weeks later, you'll do eight miles. And in between, you'll just do something that's comfortable for you. Sarah, I think that's one of the clearest answers Andy's ever given. <laughs> Concise to the point. The only thing I was going to add is if you've run half marathons before and you're targeting like a, a new goal or a time that you want to go for, then actually running the full distance, you don't need to run that full distance at your like new target time. You could add in a little bit of like target half marathon pace within that and then yeah. still run the full distance as well. Yeah. Okay, so you've been listening to the Running Channel podcast. Thank you very much. We really appreciate your support, all of the comments and questions that you send in to us, which really do make the podcast. So please keep sending them in. And if you're happy to, then rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you're listening to. And we'll see you next time. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Everyday Running Shoe, which has a focus on both comfort and endurance. So an ultra springy, responsive feel that protects your legs and keeps them feeling fresh, which is what Jess has been putting to the test as she's been training for over the last 12 weeks for taking on her ultimate ever 10K. And she's been focused on consistency. So being able to show up with those fresh legs every day and every week in order to put in the work and the recovery that she needs to do to run her best. If you want to check out the Under Armour Infinite Elite, head to the link in the show notes.